Well, well, well. Welcome to the podcast. We have Shanice Davis on the podcast, Overcoming with Jordan Smith. Shanice Davis, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Outstanding. Just to let everybody know, Shanice Davis is a Verizon wireless expert. She's also my cousin, so she comes from a great place just like myself. But I won't get into that too much. The first thing I'll do is ask Shanice to give everybody just a just a quick little backstory on herself. I mean, just uh, let everybody know where you're from, um, what your childhood may have been like, whether that was a one-parent home, two-parent home, um, if you grew up with money, without money, what school was like, you know, high school, college, anything like that, and then some jobs that you've had, you know? For sure. So, uh, like you said, my name is Shanice. I grew up in a suburb of Wichita, uh, Derby, Kansas. So, um went through Derby school system, my entire, you know, uh, elementary and secondary education. Um, as far as my, my childhood, I would say I had a pretty good childhood. You know, um, my parents did get divorced when I was, um, I believe I was in like fifth or sixth grade. So it, it was in a way it was a single parent home, but at the same time, I still had both of my parents in my life. I, you know, would go to my dad's house, go to my mom's house, you know, what have you. So I still had their both of their love and support. So even though we weren't in the same household, I would say the only thing that I was just affected by was the fact that we just weren't under one roof. But I still had their love, you know, no matter which house I was at. Um, school, though, was great. I would say Derby treated me very well for the most part. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of things that have come out over here recently just with some um, some racial instances that have happened within Derby. And, I, you know, that's that happens, unfortunately, just about everywhere. But for the most part, I would say I had a good experience. I had um, a lot of teachers that had my back from from day one back in elementary school all the way through high school. Um, I always tell people, you know, when it comes to that cliche statement of it takes a village to raise a child. I feel like I'm definitely the, the image that we stuck right next to that in the dictionary. You know what I'm saying? Because I just had so many people that influenced my life positively and just were looking out for me every which way. And it's just like, they saw something in me and they just wanted to see me do good. So anytime that I tried to go down the wrong path, they were just like, uh-uh, not having it. And uh, you know, stop me from stop me from doing whatever uh, nonsense I was trying to get myself into. So for the most part, like I said, I, I had a really good childhood. Um, and then obviously, you know, growing up with you, your sister, my sister, we were raised mostly more siblings than we were cousins. So it was it was nice to have what felt like a bigger fa- immediate family of more siblings. But yeah. then at the same time, you know, we were always into something. So it just whether we were playing sports outside, riding bikes, it just, I mean, it overall was just a great childhood, I would say. Oh yeah. And then, uh, what about, um, so like after high school, what, uh, what, what did you seek out after high school once you graduated from high school? So, you know, actually it's a, it's an interesting story. So growing up, you had asked a little bit about, um, coming an income household. So because technically I was in a single parent household, um, we qualified for reduced lunches at school, free reduced lunches. So um, what's actually kind of amazing about that, I mean, it's, it's an unfortunate circumstance, especially for those families that are, you know, severely struggling. But what's actually really awesome about that is a lot of colleges will offer you free applications to 
um, apply to their school because of, of your financial situation. So I took advantage of that. Um, I just applied to every school that I could just to see what opportunities were out there for me, what scholarships I'd be offered. So if I got a packet, excuse me, if I got a packet in the mail um, to apply to a school, I, I sent my application off. And it, it became a, a running joke in my counselor's office because every day I was going in there asking for my transcript to be sent to another school. And so when I walked in there, like, Shanice, where are you sending that today? And it's like, oh, I'm sending it to Baylor University. And so what was nice <laughs> is I got I got a lot of these acceptance letters, which don't get me wrong. I'm a very humble person when it comes to the things that I've accomplished, because one, I'm, I know I'm not done yet. I'm not satisfied with what I've done so far in my life, but um, I also know at any given moment, a lot of things that I have accomplished can be taken away from me at any given moment. But one thing they cannot take away from me is my education. Um, so when it comes to what I did, I took all my acceptance letters and I just put them up on the wall. And I was like, okay, who's going to offer me the best scholarship? And at the time, uh, Butler Community College was offering me a books and tuition scholarship initially for to help run the football team. Oh, well, okay. What happened was I they took forever for me to get me my paperwork. And at the same time, Butler was also asking me to come work for their newspaper staff. So I went and interviewed with the um, advisor, the newspaper staff at the time. And she was like, I have the paperwork right here. She's like, I'm ready for you to sign this today. And I was like, well, the football team's dragging their feet, so I might as well just go ahead and sign it. So I just did it that day. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just be in journalism. So I started at Butler in the journalism program. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. Then I transferred to Wichita State after I graduated and um, started studying sport management at Wichita State. So <clears throat> at my at Wichita State, my I think it was my second month at the school. Um, I was actually at work and I fell down the stairs and broke both of my feet at the same time. So unfortunately, I had to drop out of school for a moment because I wasn't able to drive. And um, so I had to drop out completely, which at that moment I was like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. You know, I was like co contemplating going to barber school because I have a really weird fashion or obsession with uh, men's men's haircuts and just like, <laughs> stop, like barbering and all that. Like I, I just have a weird <laughs> obsession with it. So I was like, maybe this is my calling. Like maybe this is trying to tell me that I need to go into and do this. But, you know, things just happen. And I ended up going back to school, finished at Wichita State. And then now I'm actually going to Baker University to get my master's degree. Um, as you had mentioned, I work for Verizon and they're actually paying for me to go to school. And um, so I'm getting my master's degree paid for right now. And I will be done this coming spring. Well, that's awesome right there. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Where did you uh, where did you work at before you worked at Verizon? So I had a, a lot of odd jobs. So like my very first job was at the Boys and Girls Club in Wichita. And a shout out to the Boys and Girls Club in Wichita, because I'll tell you what, like they taught me so many things um, just about life, friendship, loyalty, um, work ethic, hard work, you know, just everything. But um, that was my very first job. And then I just had very odd jobs, you know, here and there between there. I worked at Build-A-Bear Workshop for two years, so that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> we'll do a podcast but, um, on Build-A-Bear Workshops later. <laughs> we will have a whole podcast on Build-A-Bear Workshop. But, um, you know, actually, it's kind of interesting. When I was a student at Wichita State, um, my best friend, her sister, became the general manager of the professional indoor football team in Wichita called the Wichita Force. 
Um, she hit me up and was like, hey, I know that you're going to need internship hours. I have a great opportunity for you. I just want you to come meet with me and see if you're interested. And um, essentially, she offered me a position to be a sales representative to sell uh, tickets, like season tickets and group tickets, things like that. Um, so obviously, I took that job because it's getting me right into the field that I want to do. Um, I just, I just how, how can you say no? You know what I'm saying? So Yeah. Um, and also too, like internships typically are not paid. And this was actually a paid internship, which was awesome too, because I could still work a part-time job on the side, but then as well, I was, you know, working for the football team. So, um, did that my first year. Well, after the first season, she actually took a different position with another company and, um, the assistant general manager at the time had stepped away and went to a different team as well. And so the position of, hey, we need somebody to help run this organization came about. And it's like, well, do we bring somebody in from the outside that has no affiliation or no knowledge of what we've been through? Or do we just bring some, you know, keep what we have in the house? Um, So before I even graduated from Wichita State, I was presented the opportunity to be the assistant general manager of the team. Um, So second year, not even done with school, got this awesome opportunity and it really taught me a lot. Like it taught me a lot about running a business. It taught me about dealing with the community. It taught me about, you know, working with higher executive people within a, within a community, um, business owners, you know, um, like, you know, not necessarily politicians, but just, you know, people that run the city. Like it just, it taught me a lot of that. And then also, um, I had to deal with a lot of businesses because I also was in charge of sponsorships. So I got to meet a lot of amazing people. So, um, and also the traveling opportunity as well. I got to travel, um, all up and down the Midwest, um, to, for games and, um, meetings and stuff like that. And probably one of the the biggest things that I got to do was I got to have dinner with, uh, Tim Brown, um, NFL hall of fame. Oh yeah. Uh, during a meeting because he was a part owner of and the general manager of one of the teams. And so he stopped by and kind of gave us a, um, kind of like a, I don't know, just an intro to the season type thing, even though, you know, we're all competing against each other, <laughs> it's just a way to kind of bring us together. Yeah. But I mean, before Verizon, that was my, my big ta-da and that, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people don't get to, to live out their dreams. But in 2016, we won the championship. So I got to be a part of that. So really in that two years, I got to live a lot of what I wanted to accomplish. Now, do I want to go back into the, into the field and like work in the, in the big leagues? Absolutely. But at the same time, the stability of um, the sports leagues at this point in time in, in the world that we're in right now and, and everything like that just doesn't make financial sense. So but how how really great opportunities and experiences through that? Oh yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it. And I mean, one thing, uh, one thing. I mean, I know I I'm going back quite a bit, but like whenever you were talking about in high school, how every single day you would just keep going in there and applying for, um, you know, applying for Scott or applying to different colleges and everything. That just shows, you know, you are persistent with what you are doing. And I truly think that. I mean, that's probably. I mean, I'm not an expert or anything, but I think, you know, that's probably what creates all these amazing opportunities that you've had. Because, I mean, just sitting here listening to them, I mean, even though you're my cousin, you know what I mean? I didn't, uh, I never realized, like, all these different great opportunities that you got to experience. And it's just like, wow, 
like making yeah. she uh she's got to experience a lot in a short period of time. I mean, you're twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh, I'm sure you had plenty of obstacles in your way, especially when you mentioned when you were talking about uh when you were going to WSU and you broke both of your feet. Like, what um, what made you? You mentioned, you know, you wanted to quit, and it could have been real easy to quit right then and there. You could have quit, stopped going to school, you know what I mean, and stopped your education right there. But what made you really like uh, dig deep and not and not quit at that moment when you literally broke both of your feet and can't attend school? So I'm gonna take it back even a little bit further. So um, back in 2007, my my grandmother passed away. So our our grandma, you know, she passed away, and. Um, that was probably the first like episode of depression I had ever experienced in my life. So, and it was hard. Like, it's not, it's not something that you recognize, you know, right off the bat. And it it took forever for me to recognize that that's what that was. Um, But it was hard, right? Like I, I, the person that I looked up to the most, the person that I admired the most is just gone. Like she's not coming back. There's no, it's just we have to we have to continue to live on the memories at this point. So that was my first episode of depression. But then in 2011, I went through some pretty traumatic stuff um, with um, with with a church in Wichita, and because my faith is very very important to me, and I went through some really traumatic stuff through that. And um, so back then I was so afraid, like I, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety in 2011. And at first it was more of like, I was in denial. I was like, no, that, I mean, that's not me. Like, I'm not, I'm not depressed. I'm not, I'm not having anxiety. I'm not having panic attacks. Like that's just, that's not me. So at that point it had gotten, my depression had gotten so bad that I was afraid to leave home because the only time that I would not have panic attacks is if I was around somebody that knew what I was going through. That's like, it was a comfort thing. And so I had told my mom, I was like, I'm not going back to school. I was like, I'm staying home. Like I'm not leaving. And she's like, Shanice, you're the editor in chief of the newspaper at the school. You have to go back to school. Like they need you there. Um, so really it was my family that pushed me to go back to school. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember this correctly, but I either my family took me to school or they followed me there and made sure I got there. Um, and then at the school, so this was back at Butler, um, I had I had to start seeing a therapist. So I had to start seeing a therapist on campus. And then I also had to go see a Christian therapist once a week. So once a week, I was seeing two different therapists every week. And it like it was just, it was a tough, tough battle to get through. And obviously, like, you know, different medications were thrown at me. I'm not big on, you know, taking medication, but I had to come to the realization that there was a chemical imbalance in my, in my body that was causing me to have, you know, the, the depression, you know, some people have like, you know, seasonal or situational depression, but this was a chemical imbalance. Like I need it. I need the medicine. So I had to accept that. Um, And then so to get to what you're asking about me breaking my feet, like, honestly, it was, again, it was the community and the village of people that pushed me to continue to go to school. Like, um, my best friend's mom, um, we've been best friends since sixth grade. Her mom came and picked me up, me in my wheelchair, um, and took me to a, a derby football game, you know, and like my, my ex-boyfriend, um, 
which he actually left me during like when my food broke like he was like oh that's not my problem he he broke up with me um but his mom came and got me and took me to her youngest son's football game or I guess she his her middle son but anyway took me to that you know what I'm saying like it was just a bunch of people around me that were just like don't give up like yeah. this is temporary um they're like you know because there there's people out there that are having a lot worse situation than you are like people there are people out here that are going to be permanently in a wheelchair they wish that they were in your situation where you're going to get back up in three months they're not like so you cannot give up like you have to do it for them and it's like my sister had just had her son and she's you know it's like he's going to look up to you one day and he's going to want to do the things that you do so like you have to get up and so yeah it was difficult I had to wait but what I ended up doing was I went back to Butler and I took a couple of classes that I still needed like as prerequisites for my uh, sport management degree Um, I went back to Butler took those classes transferred them back just to help me kind of reintroduce myself to get back on a schedule and then it just it was from the ground running from there so as soon as I got back to Wichita State I applied to be the sports editor of the newspaper there got that job so the year that um, Wichita State went undefeated and then went into uh, the tournament they ended up losing I believe it was to Louisville oh Um, yeah yeah I remember that yeah I, I was there and what was amazing about that too is that was the first year that KU, K State, and Wichita mm-hmm. State all at the same time, same place, at the same time. That year, I got to interview Clark Kellogg because he was really interested in Wichita State and what we had done the year before, making it to the Final Four. And um, like he he was all about Wichita State, so I got to interview him. Like I just it was like I can't I can't give up. Like there's things out here that are still going to happen that are still going to come that I need to experience. So. It was a lot of that that kept me that kept me going and got me made me get up. Oh yeah, I like to uh, I like that quote that you said. I'm probably gonna steal that quote from you. I can't give up. I'll probably uh, try to print a T-shirt or a hat or something like that that says that on there. But um, well, so that's the thing though is that you can't get up, give up, and you gotta get up. Like that's the two biggest things. And I know we're gonna talk a little bit about mental health later, and that's one of the biggest things for me is you gotta get up, like. And I, I'll I can mention what that means later, but I mean, go ahead, mention yeah. it, mention it. We got, yeah. So, um, so like I had mentioned, I I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety back in 2011, and one of the biggest things with, and it's it's I would say depression is different for every single person, right? No two people are going to be the same, but I would say with with my case, um. When I get depressed, I don't move. Like I don't get up. I don't want to clean my house. I don't want to cook. Um, I don't want to. I just I withdraw from the things that I love doing. You know what I'm saying? Like I I don't want to be around people. I don't want to um, play video games. Video games is one of my biggest hobbies. I don't want to play video games. Like I just don't want to do anything. And so I read this meme that it's not actually a meme. It's actually a a whole Facebook post. And it's like. When you're depressed, do things one at a time. Like, instead of when you go to take a shower, don't sit, don't take a bath, stand up and take a shower. Like, just let the water run off of you. If you sit down, still don't run a bath, let the water off the shower head run over you. Um, when you, when you're depressed, like if your house is unorganized, organize one drawer. Like, it's, it's a step-by-step process. Like you're not going to get better overnight necessarily. 
but just do these little things to help your mind like trigger into okay I accomplished that I accomplished that so it's like just you have to get up oh yeah and it's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard and it hurts like physically depression hurts it makes your body ache it makes you feel like you're sick but you have to get up so you can't give up and you got to get up oh yeah I like that I like uh I like that you said that and then especially the thing that you said uh I mean, you got to do one thing at a time because, I mean, I, I find myself, you know, at times to where, I mean, you know, both of us, we both live away from, you know, family. So we we're in our own space. So whenever we get in those, you know, places, you know, whenever our mind gets in a funk and everything's tangled up, we uh, we it's easy to get like that. You don't want to clean. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. And I figured I figured that out. Like, shoot, sometimes I'll just. I just make my bed. Like, that's what I do every morning. I just make yeah. my bed. So at least I know, hey, if anything, I know I made my bed. And then I go from there. If I don't accomplish anything else throughout the rest of the day, I know, hey, I made my bed. And that's kind of just like the first step that I try to take every morning to kind of just like better my day. But um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you one more thing or, or something else, because you were talking about um, whatever. Sure. uh Grandma Sue had passed away, obviously, and, you know, that's what kept pushing you. And I wanted to ask you, what would you say to someone like a young person, even even somebody that's older, maybe not even young, um, that has just lost a close loved one? You know what I mean? And right now they're just feeling like their whole world is flipped upside down and they have, you know, they have nothing. They want to quit and they don't really feel like they could go forward. What would you say to that person since you've kind of you've been through something like that? Yeah, you know, and it's good that you asked that because right now with with everything that we're going through with COVID and all that stuff, like people are losing their loved ones at an unexpected rate, you know, like, and it's, it's kind of, this is actually a good question too, because my, one of my best friends we met in college, um, she's going through this right now as well. And it's like, everybody's going to cope and grieve their losses in different ways what I would say to someone is don't be afraid to reach out and get help like don't be afraid if you are having a a really really bad day and trust me you're gonna have those bad days um find someone that you trust and that you can just vent to and that you can get those feelings off of your chest or if it's even somebody that you trust to be just physically with you in the room, you don't have to talk just somebody just to be there for you. Like reach out and get that help. If it requires you to get a therapist, I think that the way that the world is starting to view mental health, like getting help in therapy is starting to become, I would say like socially acceptable in the fact that, people don't look down on you for getting that help now. And whereas before it's, it was like a sign of weakness, which was ridiculous to me, but um, get that help. And then for those that are supporting the person that um, is going through that, you don't have to have an answer. They're not necessarily looking for an answer. They're just looking for somebody to be there and for somebody to listen to them. And then as that support, offer to do things that necessarily you don't have to go out of the house for like for instance my my best friend she lives in North Carolina we schedule we try to do at least once a week but we'll watch the same movie at the same time 
just as a way to, in a way, be there for each other. Because she knows I'm going through things and she's going through things as well. But we can't physically see each other because of COVID. Like this time, you know, this time, this year would be a time when she would come home for the holidays. But we can't do that. So it's like you got to find, a, be creative and find a way to to get to um, to make that connection. Um, but for that person that's grieving and that's going through that, I'm not going to say that it's going to get better you are going to learn how to manage. And that's basically what overcoming means to me is like, it's not something that you're going to win every single day. It's an uphill battle um, of consistently always trying to be better than you were yesterday. And when, if you had a bad day yesterday, it's okay. Like we're going to have a better day than we did. We did yesterday. Let's say yesterday you cried for 30 minutes. Maybe today you're going to like cry for 25. Like that's better than what you did yesterday. So like just every day, just trying to, to, to get that, that, that next step forward. Um, but I, I mean, I know it's tough and especially right now with the holidays too, but like I said, it's not, I'm not going to say it's going to get better. You're just going to learn how to cope. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely, uh, I mean, everybody wishes, you know, especially that, I mean, I think every person, you know, everybody goes through something, you know, whether some people have, uh, they have to deal with, you know, um, extreme mental health issues or maybe mild mental health issues, you know, if they don't have to deal with that, people still go through something. And uh, I think, I think what you said was absolutely correct. And you had mentioned um, when you were talking, you know, whenever somebody reaches out to you and they, they trust in you and they're bidding to you, just listen. You don't have to have an answer for everything. And I think a lot of times that's where uh, that's where we fail when we're that, you know, like some of us, you know, when we're trying to be that listener, we we're, we're not really listening. We're trying to we're trying to um, understand. But at the end of the day, you can't always the first thing I tell everybody, you know, whenever somebody says, you know, oh, I just lost my, uh, you know, I just lost my mom. I just lost my father. I just lost, you know what I'm saying? When they say those things to me, I tell them, well, I don't understand. I can't understand what you're going through right now, but I'm here to listen to anything that you may have to say. And that's right there is like the perfect response because you're not trying to say my feelings are better than yours because that's not what the message you're trying to come across with. It's, I don't understand because I haven't been in that situation, but I am here for you. Like, how can I help you and how can I be there for you? Because as a human, our natural response is to listen to respond instead of just listening. We're always listening to respond with something. And we have to be conscious of that to make sure that we're just listening to them. If they ask for an answer or advice, then go ahead and, and speak. But outside of that, just listen, just be there, be that, be that pillar of support, be there for them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, shoot, just a few weeks ago, I had a, um, I had a soldier who was ready to, I mean, in his mind, he was about to jump off the fifth floor and jump right through all this, all the banisters and everything like that. He was ready to, you know, end it. And, you know, I just pulled him aside because most of the time, you know, especially in the military, it's easy to yell at somebody, but you can, you know, once you can see it, I mean, not everybody can see it, but people that go through, you know, certain things and they've been through depression and things like that. You can kind of see when somebody's struggling with that, you know, you can tell whenever they're, they really, they're out crying and they want someone just to listen. So I had took him and put him in a room and just let him vent. You know, he was, 
screaming, snot running out his nose, crazy, you know, saying things, you know, people are looking through the window like, what in the world is Sarn Smith letting this soldier do right now? But I was just letting him go. Like, I just sat there, you know, I was just listening. He was saying all types of stuff. And, you know, tons of that stuff I probably was supposed to report. But at the end of the day, that's not what my job is. My job as a human being is to sit there and listen. So I let him vent all that out. And probably after, well, after three hours, after me, we went and got breakfast, everything like that. Went and ate breakfast, brought it back. He vented some more. He was perfectly fine. And the only reason I knew that maybe that might work is because I've had to do the exact same things. I've had to just, you know, call somebody and vent or, you know, message one of my friends. Hey, man, can you come over real quick and meet, you know, for for hours and just letting it out in order for me to feel better. And then all of a sudden I feel like a brand new person. Absolutely. Yeah. And you don't know, like, and that's what sometimes it just takes is like, people are like, nobody's listening to me. Nobody cares. And in that scenario that you just mentioned, like by you taking him just to go get some breakfast, like who knows, like maybe he didn't have anything to eat. You know what I'm saying? Or he hadn't, he was in such a depressive state of mind that he didn't want to eat. And then you took him to go get some good food and he like, he ate and he's like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit better. And then like, he's getting these emotions out and it's just like, he's that weight is being lifted off his shoulders at every word that comes out of his mouth. And so by you just doing something just as simple as listening to him and taking him to get something to eat, that dude went from wanting to jump off of, of a building to I'm okay. I can manage today. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Hold on one second. Just in case, I'm trying to, we're going to run it up to 30 minutes and see if maybe it cuts off. It shouldn't cut off. We should be able to go all the way to a full 60 minutes, but I don't want it to get cut off. You know what I'm saying? In the middle of our conversation. So, because we're having a really good conversation. We're having a better conversation right now than we have. I mean, we've had, we've had some pretty good conversations over the phone, but this conversation, I'm I'm hearing things I've never heard before. So I'm like, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, we're past 30 minutes, so we see we're still going. So I believe we got 60. But um, so, I mean, I truly do believe, and I think everybody, everybody knows that us as humankind, we have to come together and support each other and help each other in order to prevent people from committing suicide. Can we stop everybody from committing suicide? Absolutely not. Can we, you know, stop everybody from one to give up on their dreams? Absolutely not. But I think it's us, you know, each other that will will bring others up out of that funk, up out of that dark space. Um, do you agree with that or, or what exactly? What what's your what's your take on that? Like what do you think what ideas or things like what do you think that there is that things we could put in place to kind of solve um not solve suicide, but kind of lower the rates. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of it, we're heading in the right direction. You know, this podcast and then the the stipulation over mental health is starting to, the, 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 the layers are starting to be peeled off. Um, people are not starting to be criticized as much for having mental health issues. And like, it's like, oh, this person has mental health issues. Let me try to help them. You know, I think we're starting to do good or better as a society trying to help people with mental health issues. Are we where we need to be? Absolutely not. Because you still have um, veterans and soldiers that are committing suicide every single day from uh, symptoms from PTSD that they just, they can't get over. 
But I think, can we solve uh, suicide at 100%? No, unfortunately we can't. Because the thing is, is those demons are so dark and so deep sometimes that, and people don't admit it um, where they're at mentally or they have and people aren't listening. So can we solve it 100%? I don't believe that we can, but I think that we can continue to peel back those layers and and get there to where we have um, we have a better success rate of helping those people than we do putting them in the ground. Um, I think that where we are at and where we need to be, there's still a huge gap of of still helping people understand like there's it's okay to have you know, mental health issues. It's okay if you have an addiction. It's okay um, if you're if you're struggling today. Like, let us help you overcome that. But, like, being open to admitting that, because I'll admit, like, there's a lot of guilt that comes from admitting that you have an issue, oh, a yeah. problem. Right? Absolutely. I can attest to um, that. There, there's a lot of guilt. Like, people, they feel like they're letting somebody down or that they're, you know, they're going to be, um, like, an outcast it's a lot of it is just letting people know that there's somebody out there there for them that cares. But like I said, those demons are so dark and so deep sometimes that it's very, very difficult to overcome that. Cause I mean, there's been a point in time and I was in a very, very, very low place in my life that I, I didn't want to live, but it wasn't to the point that I knew like I would be able to kill myself or, or commit suicide, but it was just like, I, I don't care if I live or die. And but luckily for me, I had a lot of people that recognized like Shanice is not okay. Like Shanice is not herself. And they're like, you need to go back to therapy. You need to get help. You need this, you need that. And so it's just like, but not everybody is fortunate to have those people around them that recognizes that. So as a society, we just have to, if somebody's just a different, right, we can't cast them out to, to the wild just because they're different. Like we need a group, we need to bring them in. And let them know, like, hey, you and I, we may have personality differences. You know what I'm saying? Like, we may not be the best of friends, but I'm here for you. I think that's where we need to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, shoot, even, uh, I mean, I'm glad that you said that. You know, we may not be the best of friends, but I'm here for you. Shoot, last night I had seen uh, one of my cousin's friends, uh, our cousin Joey. I had seen one of his friends, you know, Sorry, I shouldn't have been, I don't want to be putting names out there. But anyways, I seen one of our cousin's friends post some things online, you know, for the past few days. And and I had been making comments and stuff like that, but he really never, you know, responded or anything like that. Just because I was trying to reach out to him and let him know, you know, things will be okay. I understand you're in a dark spot, but things can get better. So I actually reached out to him and just told him, you know, hey, I don't really know you too much, but you know, always feel free to, you know, hit me up on Facebook Messenger or feel free. I gave my phone number, you know, feel free to call me and I can get you help or I can be here to uh, listen to you. And I, I really think that that's one thing we have to do. We can't just, especially in today's world, in today's world, a lot of people's outcry is on social media. So when you oh, see sure. them on social media giving you an outcry, you know what I mean? People aren't just posting those things for, I mean, do some people post things for attention? Absolutely. But if somebody is constantly posting, posting um, how they are depressed and how they feel like they're going to kill themselves, you probably shouldn't keep scrolling. You should probably try to reach out to them because the next time they're probably not going to be there. 
Yeah, it's oh, it yeah. maybe too late. And one thing I wanted to uh, touch on is I, I kind of want to go back to what you were talking about when you had said people are afraid to reach out for help because they feel guilt. And I mean, absolutely. That's absolutely true. And me, I can attest to that, you know, um, especially whenever I was married and everything, I felt I never wanted to reach out to anybody. I would reach out to my mom and that'd really be about it. But I would never tell my wife um anybody because i was a you know i was a father a husband plus i was a leader at work you know having uh, subordinates upon of me so i didn't want to i didn't want to seem weak and i think that's a huge problem in today's world is people think oh i'm gonna seem weak but really in our reality everybody's going through it so you're not gonna you know what i mean you're not gonna seem weak the person that you're yeah but you know what what's crazy though is it's the men that struggle with that the most because they feel like I'm going through depression. I'm going through anxiety. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. And they, they mentally, they're not able to, to stand it. It's like, I'm weak because I can't. And it's like, no, you're not weak. You are human. Bottom line, you are human. And it's okay if you can't make it through what you're going through and that you need help. It's okay. It's it's a lot of it, like like you had mentioned and touched on, is is the guilt and the shame because you, you're the provider. You're supposed to be the protector. You're supposed to be this. You're supposed to be that. And it's like, when you can't be those things, that's whenever men mentally beat themselves up and it puts them in an even darker state. But yeah, absolutely. Like it, it it's I it breaks my heart for men that they they feel Oh yeah, that I'm way, glad that sure. you uh I'm glad that you had uh mentioned that. Um but yeah, I mean we we definitely covered some good stuff. And uh another thing I wanted to um to tap on is that you had mentioned that um well just just so everybody knows anybody that's listening to this podcast you know my podcast this podcast is called overcoming with jordan smith but uh the person on the on the air right now shanice davis my cousin she actually helped me come up with it because the names that i had beforehand we won't talk about them but i mean all the (laughs) all the ideas (laughs) i ran past a lot of people before they were uh they they were pretty bold but she helped me kind of establish this and um she had mentioned you know overcoming and like you had said earlier, you know, over you like overcoming because it kind of it, it kind of tells you that you you manage depression, you manage mental health, you manage, you know, being in these uh, tough spots in life and you can't you can't really ever win. So, yeah, um, I really I really think a lot of people have to uh, I don't know how we can get more people to realize that that you just have to manage your day to day versus trying to win the victory you know do you have any uh ideas on maybe how we could uh get people to understand that absolutely so i mean you know i've been dealing with with the mental health with for myself for nine years now coming up on 10 um and it's it may i may come off as very strong like i have it all together but that's far from the truth like i have my good days and my bad days just like everybody else but i've went to numerous therapists that have each taught me something different individually. Um, I've done, um, I've even went as far as had a DNA test done on myself to find out what medication would work with my DNA and what would not. Um, I've, I mean, I've just, I've been, I've done a lot of things just to try to make myself be able to deal with what I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. Like, um, but as far as like day to day, so one therapist taught me something because I got to the point one time where 
My house was an absolute wreck. I had no motivation to do anything. I was going to school. I was getting my assignments done, um, but I was going to school. And like, that was the only thing that I would get done. And the reason why, to be honest with you, is because if I fail my class, I have to pay the money back to Verizon. No, I'm not no. trying to pay no money back. Like, I'm, I'd, much, yeah. I'd much rather go on a trip and pay some money back. You know what I'm saying? So um, what she had told me one day, she said, okay, do this. She's like, make a list of, if you have a list of things that you need to do, she's like, make a list of things you need to get done. She's like, also, when it comes to your house, she's like, make a list of every room in your house. She's like, okay, so let's say on Monday, you're going to clean your bathroom. She's like, and write down the things that you need to do, particularly in that bathroom. She's like, whenever you get done cleaning the toilet, mark off cleaning off the toilet. And so basically just everything that you need done, you need to do your dishes in the kitchen, you need to sweep, you need to mop, whatever, whatever. Now, for a, a typical person, that's like, oh, that's common knowledge. That's common sense. We would do that anyway. But for somebody that's struggling to get day-to-day things accomplished, when you mark that off of your list, it helps your mind to like engage with the fact that I did this, like I accomplished this, I got this done. And then as you go down the list, you'll see all the things that you've done, all the things you've accomplished. So you have that, that physical uh, list there in front of you that shows you, I did this. And, but what she said to me was do one room at a time. She's like, cause then you can go back in that room whenever you're done and be able to look. Cause like, every, like you said earlier, you know, you make your bed that puts you in a whole nother mental state. Whenever you go to bed at night and you pull your sheets back and you're getting into a crisp bed, but it's the same thing. Like if you go into that, into that bathroom and it's, it's clean, it smells good. It's going to put you in a happier state. So she had told me to do that and I did. And it helped me trip tremendously um so lists are a big thing for me and i mean it may not work for everybody but it's just something that that helped and if it helps one person i'm happy with that um but that's how day-to-day for me sometimes has to work especially whenever my i'm, I'm on break right now for school but that's how it oh has yeah to work i mean me that kind of goes back to like what you were talking about earlier whenever you were talking about um when you were saying you know step by step and i mean that kind of shows it right there with the list um one one last thing i want to talk about before we uh before we run out of time on this podcast i wish we had more time um it is uh <laughs> in the future but yeah there can always be there a can part, always be a part two. Two. Um, we can always end it and then continue um is uh is you've taken a lot of time it seems you know based off of what you said it seems like you've taken a lot of time to do your own research on you know, everything like you're talking about, like, I never even knew that you could, uh, like, there was some things that maybe might fall in line with your DNA. I mean, I knew of like, uh, you know, family history and things like that. But sometimes I think like, eh, just because my, you know, family in the past has had mental health issues, does that mean I'll have it? And I never really truly experienced it till I became an adult. So, I mean, how did you how did you really learn all that stuff? Did you take it upon yourself to research or just kind of like, scrolling through the internet or what exactly I would say it's a mix between the therapist that I've dealt with and then also my my own research so the DNA test that I did um my I went back to Christian therapy back in 2018 after um I had went through some some stuff and um she had sent me to this gentleman that she knew that she referred everybody to um and he actually was an African-American psychiatrist, which I had never had one before in my life. And 
it was interest it was an interesting interaction with him just because he put the paper down. He put the pen and paper down and just talked to me. And he was like, I want to try this. He was like, there's a DNA test that your insurance should cover. Um, I want to see if this would work with you. And come to find out the medication that I was on is actually not was not compatible with my DNA. Like it would work, but it's not as effective as a different medication would be. And so he was like, we're going to switch you to this. And then we did. And it was just like, I mean, obviously there was a, a time period where I had my body had to adjust to it but it definitely helped. Um, but then as far as like, I'm, I'm, I'm all about knowledge. Like I like to know just random things, but also like when something affects me personally, I like to kind of dig deep into it and, and find out more. So I've done a lot. I I read a lot. I do a lot of research on mental health and just various different things. But um, like I said, part of it is just my own curiosity of, what am I going through when I have children? Like you had mentioned, when I have children is, are my children going to be affected by this? Because my grandfather had mental health issues, which I didn't know this until I was diagnosed. Um, well, I, well, my kids have the same issue and I want to be able to be there and be a pillar of support to them as well. Um, not to be like their doctor or anything like that, but I want to be able to be their mother, not their mom. Like I want to be able to, to be able to help them and like help them cope and, and get them the help that they need if they need it. I mean, um, Jordan, you know this just from, you know, my nephews, like, and my nieces, like, if they need something, especially when it comes to their health or their oh, education, yeah. like, I'm, I'm all in. Like, what, what do I, what do I need to do? Um, but yeah, a lot of it, it, a lot of it came from my own curiosity, but also it, the curiosity came because of my, okay. my therapist that I've dealt all with. Right. So would you say to people that are, um, I mean, people that are, because me, I'm not the type to, uh, I mean, I don't really like to read. If I open a book, I, I don't like to physically read. If I open up a book, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm just like, you know, I might read like a chapter. So I'm more of an audio book type of person or like a visual, you know, I can watch TED Talks, podcasts. I can watch things like that all day. But um. Would you say that people should probably, um, if they're going through things, you know, having mental health uh, instabilities, things like that, would you say that they should probably take it upon themselves to do their own research to figure out what's best for them? Um, I would say that's kind of a hit and go type of situation. And the reason why I say that is because for some people, the research that they find may trigger them. So they may find out that, you know, something may spin off to something else. So they're like, oh my gosh, like that puts them in a panic. So be cautious of what you're researching and make sure that you're one using a credible source, but also make sure that um, you have somebody to talk over that material with. Um, and as far as your, your medium, like what you're going to, what, how you're going to do it, there's all kinds of podcasts and TED talks and um, vi YouTube videos that you can research on mental health that are actually credible. Um, if you're not a person to pick up a book or just read a, an article online, um, that would offer you the same type of um, educational value, if you will. And it is, it all depends upon the person, but I would say before you dive into that type of research and really get into it, because there's a lot of information out there that's obviously false. Um, absolutely talk to someone about it first before you get into it. And then like, cause that way too, whenever you go back, cause like for instance, I'll research things.
And then I'll go talk to my therapist about it. I'm like, hey, so I saw this. Like, what do you think about that? You know, she said that would actually be a good um, good option for you. Is that something that interests you? And then we try to incorporate it into my treatment. Um, but it just, again, it just all depends. And just make sure you have somebody you can talk to about it um, to make sure that you're not getting incorrect information. Absolutely, or it's not absolutely. I like that. that you, uh, I like that you said that, you know, to share it with, don't just take it for, you know, take it and believe it a hundred percent, you know, take it and share it with somebody and make sure that it will actually uh, contribute to helping you and not hurting you. Um, but I mean, now that we're coming to the end of the podcast, I would just like to ask you, you know, is there any last thing that you might want to share with anyone that, that's listening to this podcast and, uh, you know, just, just let them know one last time. I mean, we will definitely, Shanice Davis will definitely be on another podcast. That is for sure. She will definitely be on there because this conversation is great. Um, but yeah, I would just like to give you a moment to, um, to, you know, maybe share anything or any ideas or one last thing that you may want to say on the, on this episode. Yeah, for sure. And I, I appreciate this moment because 2020 has been a difficult year for everybody, you know, mental health, the, the virus, the, the lockdowns, the stay at home orders, you know, you may have lost your job, you know, you may be in a financial strain just because of reduced wages or, or what have you. But um, obviously there's going, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We don't know where that light is at exactly or how far away it is, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it's the holiday season. It's, it's a rough season this time of year anyway on mental health because of the, the time change and um, the holidays bring out emotions of people because they're missing loved ones or recently lost a loved one. But, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, to reach out and get that help that you may need. And then also um, just, just be open, you know, like be open to, to talking to your loved ones, your family and friends that you trust. Um, if you need that unbiased source, find a therapist within your, your insurance's network. Or if you don't have insurance, um, there's, uh, you know, United Way all around the nation that you can reach out to for, um, for um, mental health services and other services as well. But, you know, just don't give up hope. I mean, like I said before, I know that some of the demons are deep, dark, and, and they're big, you know, in some people's lives. But, I, I want, even though I don't know every single person that's going to listen to this podcast, but every single person that listens to this and anybody, they all, everybody matters. Everybody is loved. Everybody matters. Um, no matter where they come from, where they're at, somebody loves them. Somebody cares about them. And if they don't, then obviously like I love you and I care about you. So I want you to feel that you have that love and support that you may need to carry on to the next day. But one last thing that I love to touch on is, um, Pat Summit, one of the the greatest women's basketball head coach of all time, one of the greatest head coaches of all time in, in NCAA basketball history. Um, she was battling um, Alzheimer's, you know, before she had passed. And one of the things that somebody had asked her one time, like, how do you make it through each day? And she said, I put my left foot, right foot, breathe, repeat. So part of my one step at a time came from her. Because you put that left foot forward, you're moving forward a little bit. You put that right foot up to meet that left foot. You're one step ahead of where you were just at. You're going to breathe and you're going to do it again. So one day at a time, you're going to take that step. Because then if you have a bad day, you turn around and look, you're further ahead than where you were at when you started. So 
I just hope and pray that everybody um, finishes out the year in a very peaceful, loving um, holidays and that 2021 treats everybody better than this hell of a year has treated all of us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you, uh, man, you have like the best quotes. I'm telling you, I'm about to have a lot of (laughs) (laughs) T-shirts. Well, actually, uh, WNBA superstar Candace Parker actually has that tattooed on her, the left foot, right foot, breathe, repeat. And I've been wanting that tattoo for so long. I just don't know where I want to put it. But Pat Summit is somebody I admire and somebody that I've always admired and continue to, even though she's passed on. But she, I mean, like, I just, I do a lot of reading. Like, literally every experience that I have in my life, I'll take a piece of a nugget away from it to to try to build on and, and continue to grow in my life. And it's just... And like I said, that's that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Never waste a failure. That's that's well, yeah. We'll definitely uh, we'll definitely have another one. That's for sure. Because I mean, you uh you definitely have a lot of uh a lot of good information that needs to be out. It needs to get out there to uh to other people, you know. And and obviously, this is an avenue to be able to get it out there. Um, but yeah, I truly I truly do appreciate you um taking the invitation and and volunteering yourself to be on this podcast because. I've learned a lot myself and I don't think I would have, I mean, I've never heard a lot of these things, you know, even though we talk on the phone all the time, I'm always FaceTiming you, blowing you up. Like, regularly. you know, this is a real good, genuine conversation <laughs> for myself. And I think it'll, you know, other people will appreciate it as well. So I definitely do appreciate you coming on this podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. Appreciate the invitation, and I'm always open and welcome. All right. Well, everybody stay tuned for uh, more Overcoming with Jordan Smith, and thanks, uh, Shanice Davis, for coming on here and giving us her insight on overcoming, whether that was, you know, whatever obstacles in life that she had to overcome or anybody has to overcome. She has a lot of good information for other people out out there, and she has the uh, the most winning quotes ever, and you will see her quotes on my T-shirt soon. But thank you, Shanice Davis. I appreciate it. Love you.